You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us. Uh, Vincent Gethings is coming at us from Michigan, and he is a multi-territory franchise owner. He's got over seven years of commercial and residential investing experience. He has about 537 units in his portfolio, around uh, $32 million of value, and he specializes in strategic planning, uh, project development, and execution of different business plans uh, with, like I said, a focus on multifamily real estate. So, Pretty excited to have him here. He um, also, you know, served some time in the U.S. Air Force, and which um, is a really good guy. And he's kind of built up some really good systems in his business. So we want to talk about uh, kind of where he came from, and then learn a little bit about his systems that he put in place to help him grow. So thank you, Vince, for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So tell us, um, maybe just walk us through a timeline of kind of your. You know, obviously, you spent time in the Air Force. Did you buy any real estate when you were in the Air Force? And then, kind of, how were you able to manage that? And what kind of systems did you put in place to help you be a focused and efficient on both fronts? And then moving forward now into what you're doing. Absolutely, and uh, you know, great question. And we're going to dive into it. Um, and so, I got started in 2013. Um, was when I bought my first house hack. I Before that, uh, I've been in the Air Force since about 2006. Uh, So I've been in for a little bit at this time at 2013. Um, Wanted to do this this VA house hack, this thing. Military people have the VA home loan, which is the no money down loan. Very little people know that you can actually use the VA home loan to buy multifamily property. You can buy up to a a four unit property with your VA home loan because as you know, the government doesn't distinguish between a one and four unit. It's all residential. So um, you can actually go up to a four unit. So I ended up... um, getting a house hack uh, out in California when I was stationed out there uh, it, at Travis Air Force Base. It's in the Bay Area, kind of by Sacramento, San Francisco kind of area. And 2013, uh, sold that place in 2017 and made out with about 130 grand in um, cash after. And I was like, okay, I want to not mess this up. Um, so that's when I, I dug into the books. Um, and at the time, 2017, um, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, programs out there, like coaching programs. There, there was a couple, but not, I didn't really know a lot of them. Um, or it was like 2016, more, more like 2016 this happened. And so all I really knew was like bigger pockets. I was the one that was kind of like the biggest one around. I didn't really know any of the other ones. Um, so I went into bigger pockets, got into the, you know, the, the platform there's free for the most part. And you can get all the forums, uh, read all the Brandon Turner's books. And that's kind of where I got started was the, Grand Turner's books, bigger pockets, and did the the duplexes and fourplexes. So I took the 130 grand, liquidated my my IRA at the time, um, and just paid the penalties, took everything out, and used that to start buying the duplex and fourplexes in Michigan. That's where my my wife is from. I've never lived in Michigan up until now, um, but I had a competitive advantage there, which was my wife's family was from the area. They've been there for generations. They knew every block, they knew every house. So um, it wouldn't be, you know, I can just call them from California and be like, Hey, I'm looking at this place I found on, you know, 
Zillow or something like that? Can you do a drive-by? And that was kind of the competitive advantage. And that's how I was able to kind of start, you know, getting my foot, foot wet in investing out of state. And we'll get to that in a minute too. But um, so that's kind of how I got started was I, I used the initial first deal, the house hack, got some capital, bought some duplexes, fourplexes, got to about 20 units, uh, realized that that method, that vehicle, the, the smart properties isn't very scalable, um, especially when you're getting all the loans on your personal credit. Um, you get in these conventional loans, make sure you can get them, um, put 20% down, get a property, 20% down, get a property. That's great until your DTI, your debt to income ratio starts racking up. Uh, and that's what happened to me. And that took about uh, about 18 months to get the 20 units that I had, um, which was really good until my debt to income was like 80% and I couldn't go get a car loan. Right. And that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't scalable. This is not, um, you know, going to work long-term because I'm not financeable for anything. I can't go get a, my own personal residence or a, or a car, really anything because my credit's shot. So that's when I had to go back to the drawing board and figure out another method. And there, there's a couple other things that we can talk about, but that was like one of the biggest ones that, you know, they're all on my personal credit. And um, they just weren't very scalable because the the small properties, um, they go off of the, the way they're valued, uh, go off of the comp value versus income value. So I was, the cash flow was okay, but my they weren't really appreciating. Even if it, you can't really force appreciation in the smaller properties like you can with the, the larger properties. So it was a couple, you know, after about the 20 units of like the cracks in that kind of strategy started coming from all over the place. Like, you know, they're on your personal credit. They're not scalable. They, they're comp values. You're not going to get the appreciation, um, the forced appreciation. Um, it, it's hard to get good management for a duplex, right? You're, you're going to get, you know, most of the time it's like your local real estate firm that has like a property management property manager like in the real estate agency that kind of does it as like a side gig, right? You're not really getting like a professional property management company. That's like a CPM and has like professional property management software, like, like a buildium or an Appfolio or something like that. And that's, that's just what you're getting with that kind of product. Um, so all these cracks kind of started showing up in that, the, the smaller multifamily, um, the residential multifamily, uh, uh, strategy there. So that's when I went back to the drawing board and I was like, okay, there has to be something else out there. Started Googling, found this time it was 2018, 2019. So there was a bunch of programs out there now uh, that coaching programs, mentoring programs. So I jumped into one, Wheelbar Profits. And that was like the fall of 2018, like October, 2018, burned through all the curriculum there and, and got the mentoring there. And by January, 2019, I was under contract on my first 52 unit, which is a JV. Um, we closed that one and it was a few stages. We closed that one, like uh, the end of Q1, beginning of Q2 of 2019. And then since there, it's been off to the races. Now, um, you know, we got 560 units um, now uh, just in the last two years alone. So um, like solving that kind of Rubik's cube of jumping from small multifamily to large multifamily has been instrumental. And I have since left the military, active duty military after 15 years, like foregone my pension, uh, which is kind of like that golden parachute or golden handcuffs, however you want to phrase it, that keep people in the military for 20 years. Um, the That risk I saw of uh, staying in versus taking the leap and doing and growing my company 
um, with a hundred percent of my focus, uh, it wasn't even close. So, um, you know, I've been out for a couple months and we already have, you know, we are, we already have multiple deals, um, closed and I just wrote three more LOIs just in the last week because I was able to jump on a plane, fly to Texas, tour property, you know, without having to do any kind of crazy stuff, um, with my work. And we're probably going to get, you know, at least one or two of those three deals that I toured the last week alone, which is going to be another 200 units. So, um, then that's kind of where we're at. That's great. No, you have a, a great story and thank you for your service. And, uh, really telling that you kind of, I don't know what the requirements are to get pensions and how long you have to serve. I, you yeah. know, you know, better than I do, but it says a lot that, you know, you kind of just, you know, gave it, gave it, gave it all away in order to pursue something a little much bigger for yourself and your family and your, your community, um, which is really cool. So yeah, that's, that's a great story. Um, can you kind of describe, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about some systems. So some systems that, you know, enabled you, you got a 20 unit and then you decided, you know, you didn't want to have it, you know, I'm sure I'm assuming it was full recourse, meaning, you know, it was, you know, you're personally guaranteeing it and it was showing up on your credit reports and all this stuff. Um, so kind of how are, how were you able to, you join um, Rubar Profits, which is Gino Barbero's program. It's fantastic. Um, then you bought a 50 unit. Now, moving forward, it, did that community and getting that mentor kind of help you get more of these, you know, larger properties for you to scale? Um, like, how are you stru structuring them right now? And what kind of team do you have in order to acquire this many units moving forward? Yeah, great question. So um, when I went through the program, um, they didn't have, um, it, it was kind of still a little bit newer. So I, I'm not a partner with anybody in the program. But however, now that I'm a, a coach with them, most of the people in that community partner with other people from the community um, that, but when I joined it, just the, it was still kind of newer. So I, I, I mainly got the, just the mentorship out of it, the mentorship and all the, the course curriculum, um, which was great. And then I kind of went off and did my own thing. And the way, the way I did it was probably the, the most wrong way to do it. So the, for the 50, the 50 unit, right. Um, was on the team building. That's kind of what I biggest lesson learned um, out of this is, you know, I wanted to scale. So I got a 52 unit, I got it under LOI, went to my local meetup. Uh, I was stationed in Hawaii at the time. I was at Pearl Harbor Hickam. And I, I went to my local meetup and I said, Hey, I got a 52 unit under contract. Who's got 130 grand? I need three people to 130 grand. And you got it. You're on my team. And the first three people that uh, I knew two of them uh, just from the meetup. Uh, one, I kind of just met very, very short amount of time. And they chipped in 130 grand. We went and bought this uh, 52 unit as a JV, and it, it's still going well. That that company has since uh, that deal has since turned into Tri City Equity Group. But I think I got really lucky, rather than you know smart choices of who I want to be on a real estate team. And that's what most people do is they 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 get a deal and they just partner with anybody who has the money to to close it or, or something like that without really vetting out, is this the person I want to be essentially married to for the next five to 10 years? Um, and that's kind of where you need to be. And, you know, so I can go real quick kind of breaking down some tools that you can help uh, when you're building your own real estate team. And, and the first thing is just kind of understanding what the roles of a, a real estate team are, of a, either you're syndicating or doing JVs. What does it take to take down 
um, a multifamily deal of any kind of size, you know, plus million dollars, um, you know, first you got to have the deal finder, right? So who's going to be the one building the rapport with the brokers and, and making sure we're getting the, those first early looks, uh, those pre-market looks on the deals. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of um, personality and, and uh, um, repetition to go out and kind of build the system to go out and do touch points with brokers every couple of weeks um, to make sure that we're staying top of mind. So when they get a deal uh, across their decks, their desk, they're thinking of us first because we've talked to them, you know, five times in the last couple of months and we took them to lunch and we, you know, we know about their, their kids and, and all this stuff. And we kind of have that, that rapport, that relationship that takes a lot of time and energy. And a lot of people just don't have that kind of personality, that extroverted personality to do that. So who's going to be the deal finder who can jump on a plane and in the middle of a week and go to Texas to tour a property last minute, right? Not everybody can do that. So you need to find somebody that can do that. That's how you're going to get those juicy deals that are going to add some crazy wealth for you and your, your investors. Um, the at-risk capital, right? You, you, you get a deal on a contract, you know, most single family houses, you're talking EMDs of, you know, $500, $1,000 EMD, like the EMD in a, a single family transaction is almost a joke. Um, multifamily, it's a very, very serious thing of, you got to put up some serious capital and sometimes, uh, and especially in the market we're in now and, you know, 2021, 20, 22, really the last couple of years to be competitive, a lot of that money has to be hard, right? They want, if, if, if you're doing a $3 million deal, you ready? You have to put 30 K down and they might, they might want half that hard day one, meaning you're, it's not refundable. Like 15 grand is sunk, gone. Um, and that's just kind of where we're at in the market now, if you want to be competitive. So where's that money coming from? Either you have it or you have to get it from a, a somebody else, another partner. Um, so where is that at-risk capital coming from? And not just the EMD, but there's a lot of other costs that get sunk that a lot of people don't think about. Like, okay, the EMD is like 30 grand. You know, I think I can swing that. I'm like, okay, what about legal? That's 10 grand. What about inspection? That's another five grand. Phase one, that's another five grand. Uh, survey, that's another five grand. So really, you know, that, that 30K is probably like 60K sunk, like not getting it back by the time you get to the closing table. So that's something that you either have to have the stomach to be able to risk that um, or share that risk with partners that can be able to, to risk that money. That's why they call it the at-risk capital because that money's gone. And I've, I've lost money at, on, on this. We walked away from a deal, uh, 50K gone. Um, and because we walked away from deal after the contingency ended and that sucks. Like, it, you know, you have to have that kind of intestinal fortitude to, to be able to withstand those shocks like that and just keep, keep moving forward. So not everybody can do that or, or afford to be able to do that. So make sure you have the, the capital you can put at risk. It's not going to, you know, put your family at, at risk of not being able to like pay the bills and stuff like that. So at risk capital is the second kind of seat that you need to fill. The other one's like the, the net worth and liquidity. So just because you might have the down payment to, to put down the loan, the 10, 20%, whatever it is, um, doesn't mean that you can actually sign as a guarantee on that loan, the guarantor on that loan. You need to have somebody that has a balance sheet where their net worth is at least the amount of the loan. So if it's a $3 million or $4 million deal, you need somebody on the team that has a $3 million net worth because that's what the loan amount is going to be on a $4 million deal. And some banks let you aggregate that, like kind of bunch everybody's net worths together to get to that number. But that means everybody on the team needs to have a combined net worth of $4 million. And if they're not, then they're kind of dragging the team down. Um, so you got to got to be cognizant of that and then also have liquidity post-close. So the banks don't want you to see is that um, you're putting your last dollar into this deal as a down payment. They want to see like an extra 10% um, 
post-close liquidity. So usually it's really good to have somebody on the team that is a higher net worth person that has the net worth to sign on the loan and has enough money in the bank or some kind of liquid asset, like a brokerage account uh, to comply with the bank's requirements. Um, that's a lot of things people miss. And I've had so many calls from, um, from newer investors, like the 11th hour, like, holy crap, the bank just said, we need to have 300 K post close. What are we going to do? I'm putting everything I have in this deal. And I'm like, you need to find a, a KP, a key principal like now, or you're, the bank's not going to give you this loan. Um, and of course, our, our risk money's hard and everything like that. It's very stressful because they weren't aware of these uh, positions in a team that need to get through these requirements. Um, and from there, you need the equity. So where's the down payment come from? Either either you have the 25% down or 20% down, or you have to get it from either your partners if you're doing a JV, investors if you're going to syndicate the deal, or do like a 506B uh, or 506C deal syndication. Um, that equity needs to come from somewhere. So you either have to have it in kind of your circle of influence, or you need to bring somebody on the team that has access to, to equity uh, and capital to get the 25% down and the cost of uh, the 25% down plus the working capital and plus the renovation. So it ends up actually being, you know, 30, 35% of a deal needs to be cash injected into the deal. So um, not just the 25% down payment, you can't close a deal with $0 in the bank account you're going to be broke by the next month. Um, and then of course experience, right? That's the one that kind of caught me off guard. And, um, you know, for me back to the beginning of the, the my story was I had those 20 units that I bought the, the duplex and fourplexes, right? So I had, I had these units and then I jumped to a 52 unit. So I thought I had experience because I was a landlord on 20 units and I had the systems, I had the process, everything like that. I get this 52 unit, I go to the bank and they're like, what experience do you have? I'm like, I have these 20 units. Like, look at me, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm growing. They're like, you don't know anything about running a business plan on a 52 unit apartment complex. You have a bunch of duplexes. And that kind of hit me across the face. And I was like, oh crap. Um, so I had to make sure one of my partners had you know, that experience box checked in their resume that showed that they had a similar type of asset that they were a partner in. Um, again, that's another one that a lot of people don't realize that could be a hurdle from the from the lender is they want to see that you've had similar type experience um, in the past and either you have it or you don't but the way you get around that is partnerships you partner with somebody you partner up with somebody that might be a couple of steps ahead of you in their in their journey here um, and partner with them on maybe you know one or two deals until you have that resume uh, filled out uh, for you that you have you know large multifamily on your resume and then you can either choose to work together or partner off. But that's, that's a good thing about partnerships is that they don't need to be long-term. You can just do one or two deals, hit a requirement and then kind of branch off. But just knowing those roles, uh, those five roles, the deal finder, the at-risk capital, net worth KP, uh, the equity and the experience, they need to be filled. Either you're going to fill them or you're going to have to find somebody to fill them. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because what's going to, what I see happen is somebody finds a deal and they get a couple of their buddies together and they, they go try to take it down. There might be four of them. And then they come bring it to me and I start going down the checklist of here's all the stuff that you need to comply with to get this deal closed or these seats that you need to fill. And then they realize like, well, crap, we don't have net worth. We don't have experience and um, we don't have all the equity. I was like, okay, well, you need to go find those people or, you know, hopefully one or two people that do that. And they come back in three weeks and like, okay, we got all the seats filled. I'm like, okay, how many people are on your team? They're like nine. I'm like, okay, you got nine people to close a 30 unit deal. Like 
this is a waste of everyone's time, right? And that's what I usually see happen because they weren't strategic about, they weren't intentional about who their partners were in the beginning that you can get three or four people that have, that can sit in, you know, multiple seats. Maybe they have some at-risk capital. They have a, you know, maybe they have a million dollar net worth or something like that, or a decent sized net worth. They have uh, maybe some experience or something like that, or some equity that they can raise. And then you get three or four people that kind of overlap each other and they all fill one of these roles. Then that's how you can get the first deal and the second deal and the third deal very quickly. Um, Otherwise you end up with a inefficient team with a bunch of holes in it. um, And you, you need to either kick people out of the team or make your team so big that it doesn't make the deals worth it because your slice of that pie is, is so small that it's not even worth doing. Yeah, no, those are, that was all really great advice and kind of breaking out, you know, <laughs> yeah. the role of individual partners. If you're looking at a larger, you know, what we call a syndication, uh, when you're buying a larger deal and combining, you know, different resources together, they don't, like you said, they're not all about the financial resources, although it kind of yeah. does lead up to that. Um, there are, you know, different roles for sponsors and, you know, individuals to help out with in order to get the deal across the finish line. And I can't tell you how many times, like you said, there's a 30 unit property where I see, you know, a general partner as the active investor, there's maybe like seven or eight of them and they only need a million dollars of a down payment. And when you go to, and as a, you know, because I'm an active investor, I'm also a passive investor, but I'm looking at deals that have too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Okay, when it comes comes time to sell or refinance or whatever, whatever liquidity event, you're going to have to have all those nine people agree on a 30 unit deal. That's a recipe for disaster. So I, you know, for me, I try to keep my team a little bit smaller on that front, although it's a lot more work. um, But you kind of learn, you know, over time, um, you know, as you start, you know, you grow your business sometimes, um, you know, as you grow your real estate portfolio, you mentioned a lot of different things, net worth requirements. Uh, liquidity requirements, that's all going to grow. So, you know, obviously you want to have good partnerships along the way, but that also allows you to scale too. So it's really great that you kind of broke it out for us. Um, Do you have any other resources? Like how can, you know, as we wind down the show, how can my audience find you and maybe learn more about that breakout that you talked about? Maybe, you you know, if you have an Excel spreadsheet or something, that would be great. And how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is actually a presentation I did. Like I, I, I messed up so bad on my first couple teams that I made an entire presentation, and I, I'll happily give it to anybody that reaches out. Um, that kind of breaks out this this presentation of intentionally building strong multifamily teams or just business teams in general. Um, so you're not, you know, six months in hating this person, you're stuck with them for five years. Um, so reach out to me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. You can go to tricityequitygroup.com. That's, that's our website and that's our company there. And you reach out. We have an uh, ebook on investing, multifamily investing. And I'll, I'll happily give you this, uh, this Teams uh, presentation I have as well. Just um, reach out to me and ask, request it and I'll send it right over. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how we can get a hold of me. That's awesome. And we'll have a link to Vincent's uh, LinkedIn. And like you said, his other platforms in our social media descriptions, as well as on iTunes. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps Vincent and myself get our message out to a greater audience. So we really appreciate that and really want to thank Vince for coming on again today and for his time. Thanks again. All right. Thank you.